You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The wife doesn't work outside of the home. The wife only makes dinners and breakfast and where they are joyfully available, meaning she will have sex at any time, no matter day or night, when or where, with her husband when he so desires it. This is what a lot of women believe, that this is their purpose. That's so fucked up presents. That's so fucked up I like to come in hot. Mm. If she doesn't come in hot, she comes in with a song. <laughs> what about like a hot song? <laughs> Do we have you come in hot with a song? That's asking a lot. <laughs> okay, Lindsay. okay. Now she's on the spot. <laughs> wow, let's bring it down. Okay. I mean, it is still morning. <laughs> Oh, I have a song I can come in hot with. Oh, boy. Okay, it's related. (laughs) You guys, if you're hearing a voice and you're like, who's that that's not Fallon? Because I've heard Fallon. Who's that other voice? I'm going to give you a hint. That's me in the corner. (sighs) That's me in the spot. Light. Fucking off Bill Gothard. (laughs) He can go fuck him. Self. That was so beautiful. What a gorgeous arrangement. I didn't know the lyrics to Happy Shiny People, and they're both by R.E.M. R.E.M. Yeah. So I did a thing. You were in the pocket. I felt you. And then I made it especially about you, because you're our guest. (laughs) You're fucking off Bill Gothard, right? Like, fuck that guy. That's what I meant. Fuck Bill Gothard. Yeah, that's what we're here to say. Not having a relationship with him. No, absolutely gross. Very the opposite direction. Going as far away as possible from this man. Yes. As everyone should be. I'm laying the account of his misdeeds at his doorstep as well as IBLP. So. Yes. Yes. And I can't think of many people who deserve it more. So here for it. Yeah. It needs to stop. The whole thing needs to end. It needs to quit. So I'm so happy for Shiny Happy People because it helped us to amplify it and finally get it out there on such a large scale to truly wake everybody up to what is going on with all of this. I think people are just kind of numb to it or they just really don't super know because it hides. I didn't know. Yeah. I did not know. Okay, really quick before we keep going, you guys, hey, welcome back. It's the podcast. You know what it is. You pressed play. (laughs) This is That's So Fucked Up, a podcast about cults, murder, and other generally fucked up stuff. But you guys, this season, we have something going on a little funky. What? I know. So I watched Shiny Happy People. As I'll tell Lindsay in a minute, it changed my life because I was like, what the fuck is happening? How did I not know? This is insane. I have to talk about it to everybody I know right now. So this season for That So Fucked Up Presents, we are doing a four-part borb, binge or bust. We are looking at all four episodes of the docuseries from Amazon Prime, Shiny Happy People. And within each one of those episodes, we're also exploring a subtopic that was identified within the docuseries. So TLC as a modern day freak show and a fucking evangelical 
fundamentalist propaganda machine that the Joshua generation we're going to talk about. They are fucking terrifying. Oh my God, I think they're the scariest probably. What else are we talking about, Fallon? Child abuse and child abuse in religious groups specifically that was addressed in the documentary. And then also just sort of the role of women and the abuses that women specifically suffer and things that women go through in these groups. Right. Especially with the Quiverful movement. We'll talk a little bit about Andrea Yates and some very famous examples of women who didn't get the proper care that they needed. And it ensued in disastrous results. So you guys know me. I am your host, Ashley Love Richards. And if you listened to the Presents season, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where we talked about, fuck, Amway, Beachbody. Herbalife, of course. Can't feel it. Herbalife. Herbalife. Something else. I don't know. But you guys, if you listen to it, then you know Fallon. If you didn't, go listen to it. Hi, Fallon. Introduce Hi. yourself. I'm Fallon. I live in a basket town, Maury. No, I'm, I don't really live in a basket town. But I'm Fallon Maury. I just sometimes get to join and talk about the things I'm also obsessed with with Ash. So happy Fallon to be back. is a researcher and an editor and co-host of the podcast because we have found a mutual obsession in... I don't even know what High to call control it. control groups, cults, yes. and this bullshit, this fucking white nonsense. It's, it's enough, right? Okay. And today, you guys, we are so fucking excited to introduce our guest. Ah, we're cheering. We're, we're clapping. We're doing all, all that stuff. Lindsay Williams. Woo! Hi. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> Welcome. Hello, ladies. How is your fucked up lives? Well, really fucking cool <laughs> now that we're sitting here talking to you. Yes. Sweet. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be exciting. Yeah. Well, so I guess I just went through this whole spiel about this upcoming season that we're doing. And the reason that I did that is because we're covering the documentary, Lindsay, that you were very much featured in, Shiny Happy People mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. Yeah. You did great, by the way. Um, Your pink hair Thanks. was awesome. <laughs> Appreciate that. I miss her. I think you should bring her back. (laughs) She's going through some medical issues on her head or her scalp. So by doctor's orders, we had to take the pink away for a little while. But I'm going to be finding out very soon if I can dump it back on my head because mama wants it. If you can, (laughs) can we go live and dye her hair together? There you go. I love it. Yes, because I am obsessed with your pastel washed denim blue hair right now. The indigo just makes me so happy. Thank you. This is actually an in-between stage that to me is a nightmare. So I really appreciate that. No, it's Thank very Thank you pretty. so much. Thank yeah. you. So I saw your documentary and I had seen Jesus Camp. Did Have you seen that? Oh, yes. You're I like, have. Yeah. Bitch, please. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. guys, if you haven't listened to the Jesus Camp binge or bust or you haven't watched the 2006 documentary, go. Run now. Also, if you haven't watched Shiny Happy People yet, I've been telling you guys to go watch it. So get it together. Please go watch it or don't, whatever, because we're going to cover it. But I'm going to give it a binge. I'll just tell you that right now. Yeah. So watch it now. Watch it later. Get into this because we need to understand what the fuck's going on. So I saw Jesus Camp, Lindsay, and then I saw Shiny Happy People. And then I realized there is something afoot here. <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> I said, whoa. <laughs> There's something afoot. <laughs> We must go spelunking. So before we started getting into uh, Christian fundamentalism, etc., mm-hmm. 
we thought that maybe it would be a good idea to talk to somebody who knew a little bit more what they were talking about. I do not have any religious upbringing, although I just have a very vested interest in highly controlling, coercive, abusive, fucked groups. And mm-hmm. Fallon. I have experience in evangelical churches. I wasn't all the way in a fundamentalist group, but I was very evangelical and a lot of traditional elements they had in those churches. And I'm also experienced in some high control groups, mainly on the MLM side. I was a part of Amway for a while, and mm-hmm. they take a very evangelical twist And they have people associated that have fingers into all these religious happenings and groups. And so that's where my interest sort of springs from. Absolutely. So we're talking to Lindsay today and Catherine Spearing from the Uncertain Podcast and from the organization Tears of Eden, which helps people recover from spiritual abuse. We really wanted to talk to two people who definitely 100% know what the fuck they're talking about before we start talking about it. Because the last thing I want is listeners to think, who the fuck are you to talk about Christianity, Ashley? You've never even been to a church. And somewhat rightfully so. I've been to churches, like not because I wanted, not because I was like, yay, because I got dragged on Christmas Eve or whatever, you know, but I've never grown up with religion. So I understand that some people might be like, who the fuck are you to talk about this? So I just want to let you guys know I'm somebody who's been doing a lot of research and is talking to a lot of people who are in these groups. So While I feel like I have some authority to at least lead a podcast, I don't want to just come in hot like, I know, because you know, you're the one who's been there. You've been in the groups, you've been advocating for years, you've been doing amazing work. So I really wanted to make sure that we talked to someone such as yourself who had been through this stuff before we started talking about it, because I just felt that that was really important that we didn't just come in hot without experience and that we first, you know talk to somebody who actually was in this movement. And I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm just going to say I applaud it. Like I applaud that you are so interested in it and invested in understanding more of it. Because I think in the secular world, it's really important. Because I think a lot of people just roll their eyes like, oh, those are the crazies again, or oh, these are the crazy Christians, or, you know, they acknowledge that it is fringe, and that it's a little bizarre, but they don't try to actually understand what's really going on in these systems. And in the like, whether it's evangelical or Pentecostal or fundamentalist or, you know, just the legalistic authoritarian patriarchal control is the overarching theme. And I think that's why so many parts of the documentary really hit home for people, because they were able to see how this is actually affecting change in our country that is terrifying on a very sub level that's now coming to the forefront. So I think that it's really smart for non-Christians and non-religious people to pay attention. So I applaud you for that. I wanted to ask a question because you mentioned before that being on the documentary really gave you a bigger voice to talk about this and maybe more people are paying attention. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to sort of find that place to get people to listen and talk about it because it was kind of fringe before? Is this help that cause? Well, I think in the beginning, I, I was doing it just to 
tell my story to figure out if I had an ounce of bravery in me. I had not seen a therapist or anything. Even though it had been 20 years that I'd been outside of the cult experience, I still had a lot of deep-rooted programming. It was nonsensical at some point where you're like, yeah, I don't really need a therapist. Well, I clearly needed one. But I had this feeling of like, they're just not going to know. They're not going to understand. No one's ever going to understand. That's the conditioning and programming. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to start telling my story. I used my handle was the cult chronicles because I'm like, well, I acknowledge that I was in a cult. I believe it to be one. And I'm just going to chronicle it. I did not start this to be an advocate or amplify the dangers of religion. I just needed to get it outside of myself. And within weeks, I was like thousands of followers and people asking questions. And I just started looking at the hashtags and trying to understand like, oh, this is interesting. If I hashtag Duggars, if I hashtag like there's certain things where people were really paying attention to those or like XATI or the hashtag Sarah has created. Nippy? Yeah, hashtag I got out is the hashtag that they had created. And so I picked up on that one too and started using that. And yeah, Sarah Nippy, sorry. (laughs) So it just kind of grew on its own. And then I started getting that conflicting, you know, the ones that want to come at me for, you know, well, you must not have been a real Christian. You've lost your faith and you weren't doing God right. And I'm like, no, other people were doing God wrong. And I don't know why it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around this because it seems that for the majority of them, and of course, I'm not saying all, but a hefty majority of believers really prefer to be victimized themselves and persecuted for their righteousness and their belief system and would prefer that over believing victims. Wow. Yes. And the two are not in the same ballpark, but that is their preference. I would rather feel persecuted by somebody than believe somebody who's been harmed by the faith I choose to follow. So that's kind of been my my moment right now is just realizing the cognitive dissonance is so heavy and it is they want to be cognitively dissonant. They don't want their minds opened. There's all these catchphrases we have now in society that drive me bonkers. And so I try to not use those just coined phrases that everybody's got flipping around anymore. I hate the term deconstruction or disentangling or whatever people want to call it now. I'm working through damage and trauma. You know what I'm saying? So it's been interesting with social media to through even shiny happy people. I mean, my numbers doubled and on TikTok and I feel the weight of it even more than I did before because now people do know who I am. And I find that I can't just be, not that I can't be genuine and authentic, but I have to be more careful with how I phrase things. Wow, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. And I would say back to your very first point, you are very clearly brave because... I can't imagine what it takes to go through this publicly in front of people. That's Seriously. amazing. I think some days I just have cognitive dissonance on that part. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm terrified right now. But you know what? It just needs to be done. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, I've been a victim of sexual assault and I've never told my mm-hmm. story purely because I don't think I'll like people's reaction. And I was actually talking with that about my therapist the other day. And she said that the fact that I still... I'm like more embarrassed about the fact Mm -hmm. that I think people would have a victim blaming perception, like empowered to say, fuck you guys, this is my story. And then I like heard somebody actually say something that really was my story. And they said it out loud on a podcast. And I cried because I was like, I can't believe she had the fucking bravery to do that. 
It is so fucking brave yes. of you to do what you're doing and say what you're saying. And especially because I've been like really obsessed with abuse in churches for a long time. But I know that roughly 80% of Americans believe in God, mostly a Christian God. One in three Americans roughly consider themselves evangelical, but that's generally because they are born again. They go through the whole born again process. I know people who are Christians who go to non-denominational mega churches who kind of say like, okay, well, maybe my church would fall into evangelical category, but I just mm. consider myself non-denominational Christian. So I've been really worried about throwing what I've called the E word around because I'm like, sure. I could so easily offend so many people and immediately have them turn off what I'm saying because they're like, oh, she's just bagging on all Christians. It's like, no, not at all. You guys fucking, if your faith is not hurting anybody, do you. I'm not here to fucking tell you what to do. But I think a lot of people go through the Jesus is in my heart and I'm born again now and they don't realize that their church's values is traditional gender roles and then you go into the our values or our mission page because it's like all yay singing and shiny happy shiny people there you go. such yeah. a great title but I've been so worried about wanting to say Christianity or evangelicalism and then correct me if I'm wrong Lindsay but do people not say they're fundamentalists like racists don't say they're racists yes most fundamentalists are not going to walk around and be like, I'm a fundamentalist. No, they're a fervent Christian. They're just deeper in their faith. And usually there is a false sense of the shiny, you know, exterior where they seem so kind and vivacious. But there is a deep, deep calling to very rigid legalistic viewpoints and beliefs. And you don't really see that until you start digging into the person. I saw on one of these Christian fundamentalist influencer accounts, and they refer basically to what they're doing as actual Christianity and living an actual Christian life. And all other Christians are like weak Christians, or there are some other viewpoints. Can't wait to hear who that is, because I know we have a handful of people we're talking about today. And not on <laughs> one of those influencers, but I actually heard that really recently, there was a pastor who got up and he was preaching to his congregation and the congregation was giving him backlash. It was like, we don't want your liberal policies. And he's like, I'm actually quoting you from the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, that is Christian nationalism. That is not fundamentalism okay. specifically or evangelical or, you know, Pentecostal or go down the oh. line. It is a different type of indoctrination and I hate using the word stronghold because it's very religious, but it is something that has earwormed into the minds of very faith-bound people who are being misled because they refuse to ask questions. Right. They've turned off so many parts of themselves because blind belief is easier mm -hmm. than asking the questions and getting answers that probably aren't very pretty. I'm sure it was basic too, like be kind to others, turn the other cheek, et cetera, et cetera, because everybody wants to battle everyone at this wow. point. And sometimes the temperature just needs to be turned down a little. But in fundamentalism, they are the extreme of Christianity. They are to the furthest side of, you know, the purity culture, 
patriarchal behavior, just really confining people. You must be confined and bound by Jesus. You can't stray in any way. And it's very strict and authoritarian. I I lived it for so many years. Yeah, sorry, I mixed up those two concepts a little. No, it's okay. Fallon, I think that's good, though, because the thing is, is that the more that I've prepared for this series, the less I have felt like I understand. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Because I keep going down all these separate rabbit holes. And now I have to understand third wave generation feminism or something. I don't know. I got to wrap my mind around capitalism and... And scammers but and grifters. So and I mean, it's so much. It's so fucking <laughs> oh, much. Oh, wait, it's society. There's a lot. <laughs> well, I was like, why yeah. am I so mad at this? Oh, because it's everything wrong with the world. It's men abusing their power and women being abused and then not powerful women abusing women and then men in power okaying that and then women yeah. abusing other women. And back to what you said, tying evangelicalism into politics. I watched Jesus Camp in 2006 and was like, holy fuck, but I was 19 and then I moved on with my life. Then I watched (laughs) it again last year and was like, oh my God, they did it. They did it. They're at the camp and they're telling the kids, go get into politics and ban abortion because all your friends could have been here. A third of your friends could have been here that aren't here because their parents killed them. Wow. Summer camp. Yeah. Wow. And if that doesn't terrify your giblets as a child, I don't know what would. It terrified my giblets as an adult. I was <laughs> shaking in my fucking boots. I was like, they mind controlled. They told these kids abortion is bad. And when you grow up, you got to go into politics and change it. And then I was like, well, fuck me if my abortion rights didn't just get taken away the other day. Like I was mm-hmm. in some back to the future. I was freaking the fuck out. So then I yeah. was like, it's not evangelism. It's fundamentalism. And then shiny happy people came out. And I was like, wait, no, it's Christian nationalism, too. And then people were like, <laughs> and the Baptists. And I was just like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. The <laughs> IFB. And then there's the yeah, independent yeah. ones. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. independent, yeah. fundamental, orthodox. I feel like they're all synonymous. I don't know what's going on. And I think everybody should feel that way a little bit. And I think nobody wants to pay attention because it's maddening. It's maddening yeah. to keep going and trying to find out more. I sometimes feel that it's also made complicated on purpose. That if we don't fully understand it, if we can't get to the bottom of it, if we can't point a finger to exactly what it is, then we can never get to the bottom of it and fix it. And I cannot obviously speak for all, nor am I saying that if you are a fundamentalist, you are a Christian nationalist or anything like that. But what I will say is that when it comes to the Christian faith, a lot of people have been so deeply indoctrinated and conditioned that they are just genuinely primed to accept a lot of these radical ideas and thoughts because there's no questioning. So it can come from a lot of these different places, not just fundamentalism or evangelical. It's just the belief system itself can set people up to be much more easily influenced by other sources and the the evildoers, right? The people that are the wolves in sheep's clothing, the people that do want to take over the government are going to take advantage of these people that are easily led for their own purposes and intentions. And they will use scripture to do it, which then doesn't really confuse the believer that's choosing to follow this. They're like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense because everything else you've ever said makes sense because I chose to believe that everything you tell me is fully the Mm -hmm. truth. That's a problem. You should never fully trust 
anyone to give and tell you everything. Always ask the questions. The system that they have in place, some of the systems like the homeschooling, it's not only done by fundamentalists. I have a lot of friends that from my mm-hmm. Christian part of my life that are homeschooling because they don't necessarily fully trust the curriculum that is in the public sure. schools. But then obviously it was highly talked about in the documentary. But like you said, it's set up so that you are fed X amount of information, I guess. And then no questions. There are no questions. There's no outside, you know, the Duggars burned their Disney movies or in their books, you know, so I'm imagining that really sets up people for that life of not asking questions because it's trained in you. Yes, you get in trouble if you ask. Wow. Because it's seen as pushing authority or a rebellious, willful spirit. I was always, you know, kind of like I had a rebellious attitude. I'm like, I'm literally just asking you questions because I don't understand what's going on here. So your world is small. If you're a child in this, your world is very small from the very beginning. And then the information that is funneled to you is only what the, as I call them, the adults in the room choose for you to know. So you already are at a disadvantage to having a well-rounded education, well-rounded information from all different aspects and areas of life and society. It creates a really arrogant monster in young people. They are brazen. You cannot tell them that they are wrong because according to their true life experience, they're not. They've been impressioned with this information. And it, again, when it happens at a young age, it's full on indoctrination. Well, yeah, because your brain is brainwashed. still developing. Exactly. You're only picking up what you're getting fed. Right. And if you're not getting fed anything from the outside world, then the level of ignorance in anything that is not scripture, the Bible, or whatever your parents deem, you know, especially in these like more rigid, fundamentalist, legalistic homeschooling experiences, it's very, very limited information. And because of all the conditioning of your behaviors, even if you're in the outside world, you will temper and control yourself. Because you have so much fear of damnation or punishment, hellfire, you're sinning, all of this kind of stuff. And so again, that also keeps you in line and you self-check yourself. My parents could send me out into the world and not worry because I'm going to self-police and probably self-report and let them know or let an authority know when I have sinned or stumbled or et cetera, et cetera. So when you think about these people getting into politics, they can do no wrong in their head. This is their mission. This is their fight to purify America, to, you know, abolish abortion. And they are warriors, truly. When we say world domination in the documentary, it sounds extreme to people, but it is Oh, I believe you. Well, the thing is, and I'm not going to go too fucking political, but if you look at the rest of the world right now, they're following in our footsteps politically. So I'm going to leave that there. (laughs) I think basically (laughs) what we could say about that is there are men who have been raised by some of these extreme sects to go out into the world and spread their gospel at whoever's expense. It doesn't matter because, you know, this is a Christian world where men rule and we need to make the country fall in line. And that's these Christian nationalists, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say Bill Gothard's one of these people. I'm going to say he's a prime example. Then I think you have bad people who want to do bad things. They want to abuse people. They want to manipulate. They want to mind control. They want to control in general. And they use God and scripture as a reason to do it. I'm not going to pretend like I made that up. A religious scholar that we once interviewed named Mark Jergenmeyer told me that. And I thought that was really (laughs) incredible. 
So that sure. didn't come from me because I asked him if God and Christianity and religion and all of this is so good, how come so many people hurt each other and kill each other in the name of it? And he said, well, people don't do it in the name of God as much as they just want to kill and hurt each other. And they use mm-hmm. God as an excuse. Yeah. They He's find the some conduit. Bible scriptures that back it up. Yes. It seems like you could find a Bible scripture to back almost anything up, though. Seriously. You can. You can. You absolutely can. You, even as a non-Christian, could type in something, you know, Bible, and then type in a few words. You can find and twist and warp anything. As we know, it happens in the Christian world. It happens in the secular world. It happens everywhere. People twisting each other's words. It's not uncommon. But when it comes to religion, it gets so twisted and it gets accepted. And that's the problem is that these, what do we want to call them? These predators, these bad doers, they know that they can twist it because the audience does not question. And if no one is questioning, then it continues and we all become complacent and compliant to what's happening. So if you have a group of people that are accepting it and getting, you know, on fire for God, then they're going to go out and <laughs> Sorry, they're going to put that in air quotes. <laughs> so I, was just, I just had to <laughs> laugh. On fire. <laughs> As if my voice didn't sound like it was already in italics on fire. Your voice was <laughs> so 100% in italics in that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they'll go out and then spread that word. And then really, that person doesn't have to do much anymore. And Bill was really popular back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And we didn't have social media back then. It was word of mouth. It was just taking over. And it was the satanic panic and all this, too, as well in that time frame. And especially fundamentalist and uh, traditional Christians were just freaking out because to them, the country was going to hell in a handbasket. You know, so much sex and so much rock and roll. Elvis no, no. is gyrating his hips. So this guy comes around and basically hands them, here's my neatly packaged ideology in a box, literally, that you can just put your family and your life into and just just stand under my quote Never unquote, mind the umbrella. fact that I'm not a family man right. at all. Not married with kids. Came <laughs> from a family of people, but <laughs> did not have one his own. <laughs> but what's interesting is though he spent all this time being this mouthpiece that everyone sort of lived under. I looked at his social media account and it's all like, Bill said this, Bill said that. He has somebody <laughs> speaking for him. He does not write any of his own posts. So is that Correct. him or is that that he's too good to write? It's not him. No. No, it is a gentleman named Alfred Cordwan. Okay. Oh. He has been doing all the posting for him. The counseling moments. Not prof- yes. Yep. All of those. Blech. I do not <laughs> profess to know the man. I have no respect for him, though. But he is the facilitator between Gothard and the social media page. Uh, I don't think Gothard could find his way around a computer, to be quite frank. He's had assistance in his life, his entire ministry. He's always had assistance. Bill Gothard never saw him typing on a computer or anything. He always had somebody who was, he would dictate to them. Oh, no, but it was men. Yeah, but it became men. It was not originally men. It was women that were his assistants. And if you guys read any of the stories on Recovering Grace, which is one of the website that really started to bring all of this to the forefront of Gothard's misdeeds, he had female secretaries, but the board started to get very concerned because he kept being inappropriate and at one point wanted to marry one of them. And the board was like, you cannot. And it's wow. Wait, he was being inappropriate? Who knew? <laughs> he had to move into having guys as his secretary or well, also it probably wouldn't jive with the christian influencers that we looked up your list was 
super eye-opening, but saying women shouldn't have work and technical skills because that's not right. their skill set. So why should they learn to type mm-hmm. on a computer? That's not homemaking. Because yeah, somehow men come out of the womb knowing how to type and work on cars and, I don't know, do office man things. We all have to actually learn how Wait, to I'm do sorry, things. I'm sorry, but you guys are confusing me right now because secretarial work is so female. I mean, we can multitask like motherfuckers, but yes, we are good at it, but it doesn't mean it's the only role we can possess. Well, listen, <laughs> Lindsay, if it's not in the home, it better be in a fucking church as a secretary. We know what okay? I can do anything at home now. With social media, hello. <laughs> So this is actually a perfect segue talking about influencers because we did bring Lindsay on today to talk about some of these influencers. I'm going to let you fucking take the reins because mom has been doing lots of research and has just been getting more and more confused. P.S. If you're like, wait, hold the phone, go back to all that Christian nationalism versus fundamentalism versus evangelicalism. You guys, don't worry. Either later this week or next week, we haven't decided yet, but either way, it's going to be fucking awesome. So get ready. I think I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking to Catherine Spearing from Uncertain Podcast and Tears of Eden. And that's what our conversation is going to primarily be about is, hey, what the fuck is the difference between all this shit? Because (laughs) I don't want to make everybody mad. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's so spicy that nobody is going to listen if we're all just yelling. Mm -hmm. If it's just rah, rah, fucking evangelicals and fucking rah. Well, guess what? A lot of people might consider themselves somewhat evangelical. And I don't think that I'm going to open their heart or mind or ears by yelling. No. That's not how you approach it, because then it just becomes a screaming match. And who can scream louder? And no one's making sense. And you can't hear what anyone's saying. You know who is loud, though? You know who's yelling a lot in these spaces? Who? Paul and Morgan and Bethany and the other blonde one. (laughs) These fucking asshats. And Lori. Let's not forget my girl, Lori. God, she is. She won't shut the fuck up, which is weird because she keeps talking about how women should be quiet. Also... I'm sorry, the trad wives, which we'll also talk about, dude, having a big ass social media that you make content for daily. I'm sorry, that's a job. Mm -hmm. You might be doing it from home. Guess what? You're a work from home mom or wife or whatever. Like (laughs) stay at home. You're not an ace. Stay at home mom, right? But you are still making your coins. It's gotten very fruitful (laughs) for stay at home. I saw a trad wife who has a full on apron making Etsy store. Mm. I'm like, so you have a big social media account and an Etsy store, but you're a traditional wife who stays at home without a job, but you're also all over social media all day. Or like the be quiet in church about church matters. But then you look at the fact that Lori's got 50,000 followers on Instagram and however many thousand on Twitter and a Facebook following. And she posts every message across all three. Whereas if she was in church, who's she talking to? Maybe a thousand people. So that's a lot of speaking that she's not supposed to be doing. Lori, for a woman who is preaching to other women to be quiet, at least in church, but I'm guessing at home too, right? Because you're not supposed to ask questions. Yeah, according to Lori. So who is Lori? Could you tell our audience or Fallon? We could give her a little bit of an idea. So you guys, we brought Lindsay on to talk about Christian influencers, but not just Christian ones, like ones that are heavily on fire and into persecuting others. Yeah. So we'll just give a background. (laughs) So we're not cold calling on you, Lindsay, to be like, 
please describe these in detail. So <laughs> Lori Alexander has an account that's called The Transformed Wife. That's her little name for herself. She has 55,000 followers across two Instagram accounts. And I didn't count the number across her other social media platforms. She says she's a, I'm going to read this, wife, mother, grandmother, blogger, lover of Jesus who educates other women in biblical womanhood. And her common themes for biblical womanhood are women should not work, women should only raise children, women should be modest of dress and meek of temper, I think. And also another big theme is never saying no to your husband, which is so problematic. And then all these rules for women like you should be pure until marriage, marry for life, bear children and be homemakers because feminism will destroy the country. So I guess we would probably consider Lori a trad wife, right? Yeah, a trad wife and fundamentalist. 100% very legalistic. So a trad woman. wife for all of y'all who are like, what are you talking about? Because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know until Lindsay told me and knocked my goddamn world over for the past week. My partner is Sorry. so excited for this segment to actually come out because he's like, you've just been for months now just showing me weird random clips of people saying annoying stuff and like babbling about women's rights and this and that. And not that. Wow, that made him sound really like an asshole. <laughs> babbling about women's rights. He's sick of it. He's sick of hearing Can't about it, women's freedom. <laughs> I have my head in so many spaces. I'm like, here's a video of Paul and Morgan talking about shooting. And he's like, I don't know who they are. And I'm like, but check out this fucking chick, Esty. And I'm, I'm so confused because she looks like Marilyn Monroe and she's being a big old eye trap. Okay, I've never oh, seen yeah. such an eye trap. I fell into it. I was like, she's hot as hell. <laughs> you know? You'd move in on that. Well, I would say if it was consensual, but <laughs> fundamentalists, a lot of them really seem to hate the word consensual. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> no, that's stop it stop it shut up yeah we don't like that word because correct me if i'm wrong what i've heard that is popular reading material that a lot of fundamentalist men will take their ideas from says that a man needs to well it's come but there was a fancier <laughs> word for it but a man needs to use a woman as a cum dumpster every 72 hours and the woman does that She's because so she wants to please her husband and she wants to please God, whether or not she's in the mood. But they will not say it like this. But I'm just, you guys, you know how I read the Bible or how I listen to the Bible on Ash Learns the Bible. And then I say it in like words that make sense to me. That's just what I'm doing here. So it's <laughs> like every 72 hours, a woman generally needs to be used as a cum dumpster. And then that's pushed on the women by the church and the men because they're there to serve their husbands, right? Look what you've done to me, Lindsay. <laughs> this has become my whole personality. So <laughs> to maybe um, separate some of this out a little bit, <laughs> I need to find a way to get into your beautiful mind here. The <laughs> traditional wife has shown up, but she's always been around. When it comes to Christianity, and I'm just going to use it Christianity as the whole of Christianity, there is a patriarchy to Christianity that men mm -hmm. are the head women are submissive, and that's just how it is. And then you can go into so many other examples and experiences, right, for like what Lori is saying, like the wife doesn't work outside of the home, the wife only makes dinners and breakfast and where they are joyfully available, meaning she will have sex at any time, no matter day or night, when or where, with her husband when he so desires it. This is what a lot of women believe, that this is their purpose that they be joyfully available. 
On that note, Lori has this one post that lots of people are contesting, and it equates basically having sex with your husband with obedience to God. She says women will do all these things, but they will decide they don't feel like having sex with their husband when they ask. But you never get to decide your feelings when it comes to obedience to God, which is like right up there with what you were saying. Yes, it's conditioning. So you as a woman are getting conditioned that this is what you are supposed to do in order to continue to be seen as godly in the eyes of God, to be seen as spiritual. And the men, they're not going to be mad at this. You know, hey, I got a joyfully available lady 24-7 and feelings. What does that matter? This is your job. This is your purpose on this earth is to be available and ready for me at all times. Why do you think there are so many large families in fundamentalism specifically? And then you have the quiverful movement, which goes beyond that, where not only are you joyfully available all the time, you're not going to use any means of contraception or anything like that, because the extra added blessing is having children. God wants you to have children. They're like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. That's why it's a quiver. The analogies abound in Christianity. So the quiver is the container that they carry on the back with all of the arrows in them. So if you're a family that has like two or three kids, you don't have very many arrows to put out into the world to affect change. So you better have a ton of kids so that you as a warrior, quote unquote, you know, a spiritual Christian warrior, your your kids kids are the arrows. arrows that you will send out into the world. That's why, again, in the documentary, world domination, like the whole point is to get out there and fight, fight, fight for God. So you become this traditional wife or this fundamentalist wife, compliant, submissive, demure, all the things, and you just comply to everything. You don't have a will. You're not supposed to have a will in all of this. Your only will and desire should be to please God. And in effect, that means be readily available, be submissive, have your children, keep them at home, home educate them, indoctrinate them, get them into politics, do all these things to continue to affect change. And they believe it. This is where you guys are talking about with these other influencers. They hold to these values. That is what is so dangerous about it is that they genuinely, authentically do believe this. And I know it to be true, but simply by the way that it sets me off. Would you say that Paul and Morgan are a good example of uh, young fundamentalist influencers? They would not call themselves fundamentalist. In my opinion, they are the new wave. They are the new and improved version of what was happening in the 80s and 90s. They're just the new generation that has morphed into what is acceptable in our society now. You know, they're not sitting in churches and just quietly praying and then going and becoming missionaries. This is the new mission field, you guys. Social media is the new mission field to the world. Who in the world has influence? You know, if you go to a foreign country, and you plant a church, meaning you start a little church and, you know, this was your calling from God and you're pulling in 50 to 100 people over maybe 10 or 20 years. But if you get on social media now, you have access to thousands of people. The internet can be so great and also so terrible. We've seen it in the political landscape. We've seen it in so many other activist landscapes where it can be used for so much positive and then so much negative. And it all comes down to how fervent and passionate are people about what they believe. 
And then you stumble into the monetization. And then I start to question, like, do they really believe it? Or at this point, are they just trying to be salacious, which I think is what Paul and Morgan are all about at this point. It's not really about the genuineness of their faith because they scoff and mock so many people on their channel. You mean? I can't speak to whether or not they're coming for other Christians. I'm going to guess probably not. I think to them, the community as a whole is something that they seem to want to protect. But they are very forceful in what they believe. They are extremely black and white. They will allow for no questioning of what they believe. And to me, that is a super closed-minded loop. They'll just keep perpetuating their belief system. They were really upset with shiny, happy people, Oh, which I understand it. I do. You know, coming from their point of view, they came in believing that this whole thing was going to be for Christians. And that's just foolish straight from the beginning to think that this would be only a show that just celebrates Christianity. It's like the LuLaRoe documentary and them all going, I can't believe that it painted LuLaRoe in a bad light. (laughs) Did you think we were just going to talk for 18 hours about your clothing (laughs) empire and all your beautiful hot dog dick legging designs? Exactly. And Honestly, they should be very proud of themselves for their participation in the documentary because they were the reflection of Christianity. They were the reflection of fundamentalism, of traditional patriarchal roles of man and woman. She even says, I love being a submissive wife. They are being genuinely honest. And then they feel like they weren't given the right kind of amplification or it was so skewed against them. And I'm like, no, you... You really did actually say exactly who you are and what you mean. I think you should lean into your authenticity if it truly is authentic. But it goes back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast. Are you more interested in your persecution for righteousness sake? Or are you more interested in helping people who have been abused by a system that is taking advantage? They're not interested in the second. They prefer to be persecuted. And the videos that they made afterwards, I was just, I call it snakes in the grass. You're just thrashing around in the grass somewhere, hoping that someone's going to be like, oh, what's over there? I don't want to go look. You're a snake in the grass. But then you go look anyways. A lot of people did not really care for their responses, but it saddens me because I am not someone who wants to bash Christians. Right, that's not our intention either. There are good Christians out there, but they came away with that of like, oh, this whole thing was a hit piece on Christians and a hit piece on submissive wives and traditional families and homeschooling and everything. And I'm like, "Uh, again, you're not listening because you actually can't. I understand it. Yeah. And I'm also not, I am not full 100% livid at them. I understand that they are conditioned and brainwashed into a system that benefits them somehow. And they're locked. They don't want to hear anything else from the outside. And it's really sad. And if they're monetized with the way that social media is, like you were saying, it's a feedback loop for them because they're not sending out a message of the unheard persecuted Christian. They are getting probably rewarded for being on that channel with money. So it's this reinforcement loop. We see our follower count tick up when we say these things. And when we get really salacious, we see that we get 5,000 more followers. I'm sure they got more followers after the documentary. And I'm sure that they get more money from more followers. So it just reinforces of everything they're doing. Of course they got doing. more followers after the documentary. And if not more people. followers, more views. I went and fucking watched some of their shit to try to figure out what the hell they're all about. And if you guys are listening and you're thinking, who the fuck are Paul and Morgan? 
character, a very young, very attractive Christian couple who does not say they're fundamentalist. I really can't profess to know what they identify as as far as evangelical or fundamentalist or anything, but the way that they speak and the attitude that they have a lot of people will come away with assumptions as to the type of Christian that they are. So if they don't like that narrative, they need to switch the way that they're actually trying to communicate with the world. Because at this point, it's very scoffing. There's a lot of mockery in it and like kind of coming for like, this is how it is. And this is how Jesus is. And you don't like it. Yeah. Again, it doesn't affect change anywhere. It doesn't affect change for you as a Christian to other Christians. And it definitely doesn't affect change in the secular world. And it's very weird for me to be sitting on the fence seeing both sides of this. They're not yeah, helping. Sure. Well, it's so and they're good also that hurting. you can, though. <laughs> it's, like, it's important wow. that if people like you and me and Fallon, whoever, are going to speak about it, that we are able to see both perspectives We may or may not have talked about trad wives, but I've been looking into this deeply because I was so conflicted on whether or not this was a feminist Mm -hmm. movement because they were making a choice to do what they wanted to do. I was so conflicted. I read a piece by Vice that was saying how the trad wife movement is connected to white supremacy and all this. And then I also listened to a 20-minute YouTube video by this girl who does leftist comedic commentary. And her stance was leave the trad wives alone. So I didn't go to Fox News because that's not a trusted news source for me. So I picked two sources that I felt like I could trust that were telling opposing views. And the girl, like I said, actually ended up saying, leave the trad wives alone. They're not hurting anybody. They're just trying to do their things. But then the more that I looked into it, I was seeing that these hashtags and stuff that they're using are super dangerous because it's like hashtag trad wife, hashtag traditional, hashtag traditional marriage roles, hashtag traditional gender roles, hashtag make the home great again. Okay, right? Hashtag homesteading, which then leads to hashtag women belong in the home, hashtag get on your knees, bitch. It keeps... Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, though? The other things that really kind of light my fire, like Morgan struggles with mental health issues and has been open about it, but she went off her medicines and she said that the good thing about it was that she feels like having sex more often her antidepressants fucked with her libido which this is real shit yeah but it's so dangerous of a narrative to put out Mm -hmm. especially because what's dangerous about them i think is their aesthetic they're a young couple they look beautiful she has makeup on and her hair does she has jeans on yeah Michelle Duggar in in her pilgrim collars is not going to appeal to the 18 and 20 year olds right now who are looking at how they're going to make their lives. But a girl in jeans who looks gorgeous saying it's okay to go off antidepressants because God has it. And the fact that her husband would be okay with that, then her mental health, so that he could have more sex. Oh, I'm sure he encouraged it. So damaging to her and her well-being on this planet. It's heartbreaking, and you are not going to get through to people like this. They are simply going to be this way. But with conversations like this, I think we're able to open it up a little bit more. And again, I have no desire to bash people, but I look at this with like a five-alarm fire. You know, I'm like, go, you guys, have your faith, have your faith please have your faith but you need to ask questions if god could heal everything we wouldn't even have doctors on this planet if you get hurt in a car accident do you want your ambulance to take you to a church or do you want them to take you to a hospital 
double or nothing. Everybody's going to a hospital. I do not want prayer in that moment. I want actual help that's going to save my life. We've been given these medical professionals. I've never understood this with Christians. And I'm putting that out as the whole. God gave people brains. If you are a believer and you are religious, then you do believe that God gave us our free will and our ability to think then realize that God gave you doctors, that God gave us people and psychologists and therapists and all of this to help us get through these lives, to help us open ourselves up. But a lot of people, when you get into this more legalistic mindset and authoritarianism, when it comes to Christianity, they only want the Bible, only the Bible. And if it isn't in the Bible, then it just absolutely cannot be so. You know, we didn't have mental health drugs back (laughs) in the Bible times. I know people have said this before, but if you go literal on the Bible, like they like to act like they are, you'd be doing even more horrible stuff. And also men would be wearing dresses. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Men didn't wear blue jeans back then. If you want that traditional thing and you want it to be scriptural and biblical, then stop putting on the 50s frocks because that also is not the thing. The Peter Pan collars and the jumpers and the denim jumpers and stuff that I was oppressed with, shrouding all of that somehow makes you feel better and safer and purer. It's just a facade for what you think is reflecting your faith. I think everybody needs to wear dresses is the real point here, right? (laughs) Everybody. The men. Oh, men. I'm saying the men, too. Yes. Well, I think they should yeah, try like we it. We all just need to go back into like <laughs> moo-moos. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? <laughs> they take so many things on this like literal viewpoint, but then they dismiss so much else. And I'm like, how can you accept that as your way of faith? If you're going to believe part of it, you need to believe all of it. You can't right, cherry pick it. very much. Well, this works for me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. So while you're saying like, we don't want to just be like, rah, 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 patriarchy, evil men, because the fact is that a lot of men are born into these fucking families and systems and don't really have an opportunity to learn that they're not the fucking center of the no. universe and X, Y, and Z. So I'm angry at Paul and Morgan because I can't help but be, and I'm, maybe I'm just not as far as you, but I still do feel a lot of sympathy for them. I can't say empathy because I don't know at all. I don't have empathy for them either. I have compassion for the fact that they are so steeped in the sauce that they can't get out yes. of the vat of sauce that they're in. Well, they're both victimizing a lot of Absolutely other people. they are. So there's that. And that's what's really hard in coercive high control groups is where does the victim and perpetrator line fucking start and end, you know? Because I like look at Morgan in some of these videos and I'm like, her eyes are dead and she looks like she hates him and her life. And it makes me so sad. And then she's also saying all this really dangerous stuff about guns. She's and, spicy. And spousal yeah. rape and I shit. I watch her and I think... I I, well, a little bit of her. And I do think there is a really fiery girl in there. She has a lot of passion and a lot of energy. And I love that about her. But she is controlled by a very arrogant, domineering man. And that's what I see most. The patriarchal control that she's trying to reduce her fire to be what he demands of her. And I know that if they were to hear this, that he'd be like, I don't demand anything of my wife. And she'd be like, that's not true. I love it. And you know what? Fine. If that's what you want to believe about yourselves, 
But that's not what we see from the outside. And I know better. I know better because I have lived in those spaces. And I just do think that it's important to remember, and we'll just touch on it lightly when we talk about Girl Defined shortly, because I would like to touch on Bethany's husband, who there's rumors that he was sent to a conversion camp twice. And that story to me was such a good reminder that it's not just the women and children in these groups and movements that are abused. It's the men too, you know, they're mind controlled from a young age and they're told that they can't help themselves when they see a woman's skin. And they're told that if they have a thought about another man, that they're a sinner and they're going to fucking hell forever. I do feel, you know, compassion for the men in this, these movements too. But then the trad wife movement, I think is what got me the most sucked in and confused because Lori Alexander, the transformed wife, her views seem very like OG trad wife, but she doesn't use the hashtag trad wife ever, which leads me to believe that the people who are using the hashtag Tradwife are doing it because like you said, they're using social media as their quote ministry. But a lot of the Tradwife movement, I feel like they try to wrap it up in feminism mm-hmm. as saying this is the woman's choice. I want to be here for my husband and child and making the home is what makes me happy. And I was like, well, I can get on board with that. They're making their choice. It makes them happy. But then the more that I dug into it, I was like, I think it might only exist really healthily as a kink (laughs) with really heavy consent forms and stuff. Because I'm looking at some of these trad wives and their lives are not traditional at all. The way that they're presenting themselves on media, this sounds so victim blamey, but is very like, look at me, but I'm espousing the views that if you are a woman who lets men look at you, then you're a whore. It's very conflicting. And then it all seems kind of very wrapped up in anti-feminism aka misogyny and patriarchy and white supremacy a little bit it is such a confusing landscape isn't it as you were saying that it reminded me of the barbie movie you know i don't know if you guys saw the barbie movie i love the fucking love the barbie, barbie movie, movie. well you know when they come back to barbie land and all the women are like i love getting my man a beer it's so much easier i don't have to beer think about anything barbie. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> beer me barbie <laughs> and you're just yeah. like oh my god and people are like, that could never really happen. And I'm no, sure it all the time. a lot of you are like, it's, like, it's uh, happening right now. Yes. <laughs> it yeah. might not be a beer, you know, we can't be drinking if we're Christians. But I think that there is, first of all, hashtags can get hijacked from just about anywhere. <laughs> so I think there's that part of it. I do agree. Like there is kink to it as well. And there is also women that just they really love doing it. This is what Lori Alexander promotes. I am a traditional and I'm a transformed wife, you know, transformed because she used to work outside the home and had some kids. And then she admits on her page she did not want to work anymore. She didn't also like didn't it. she say that women who leave their kids to work are abusing yeah, and their children and all this stuff and feminists are going to ruin the world and et cetera, et cetera. Ah, run from the feminists, I'm like, you guys. We're on your side, right? You do realize that it's about you having more freedom, Lori. But it's okay because you. you you're again, you're so swimming in the sauce. You have no clue. It's going to take decades to undo what's been done in her mind. So I would never right. profess to even try to get through to Lori. It is a lost cause, in my opinion, genuinely, because she sees herself as the older sage woman in Christianity. And you are supposed to, within faith, the older women teach the younger women. They bring them up. They help them to become the good, godly wives that they're supposed to be. So she's reached her Oprah years where she thinks that she's like fundamental. <laughs> (laughs) Oprah out here. You're getting saved and you're getting saved. Yeah. 
and you're getting uh, joyfully available every day and and you've got 18 <laughs> children and you know like death to <laughs> feminism and you should be just submissive all the time and wear those outfits and don't ever talk back to your husband because it's going to make him feel weak and blah 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 and I'm like we're not the gatekeepers to everybody else yeah. don't tell me how to make sure that my husband's feelings are okay he'll get by Ugh. you know and I think Right. With the way that the conditioning happens, like you were saying, with men as well as women, the damaging toxicity of that where a man, also a young man, grows up really believing that he needs to be this dominating man. And I can only imagine how much that probably hurt a lot of guys growing up because like, especially if you have a more gentle disposition and you're just like, I'm sorry, but I'm not joining the army ever. You know, I just want to be a tech guy mm-hmm. or, you know, I wanted to get into the medical field and I'm not into like, rah, 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 and hoo, wah, wah. but I think that that's kind of how <laughs> they sort of push that men need to be these really strong and anchored guys. And it breaks my heart because you are creating a system where one dominates and one complies and they truly believe that that is how it is meant to be. And I'm sure that every man out there in the system, if you think about somebody out there who's like 20 or 25 now, they're not thinking every day like, I want to treat my wife terribly. I want to abuse my wife. They've just been told that their role is to act like this head of household and their wife's role is the complement to that. Yeah. And it's sad because it also leaves no space. Can you imagine a life for all of these men, these young men, unable to express their feelings or share probably emotionally past a certain point, even with their own wife? It's just very sad. I agree. I'm sad for them. That's why Ben Shapiro decided to go ape shit and burn the Barbie on a barbecue. <laughs> he threw another shrimp on the Barbie. Feelings and then are you scary. Also, yeah, he was just meh. And then Ugh, you've got, it's unfortunate. If anybody doesn't know who Ben Shapiro is, he's another one of these fucking influencers. He has a YouTube channel. He's a dictate. I find this so funny. And then he summons the big man personality on stage because he knows it's going to get him those 300,000 YouTube or Instagram views, right? And now somebody's listening to his terrible toxic message that he probably cares about 75% of the way. He doesn't care about the ripple effect that it has. And with social influencers, negative is also positive for them. They love Oh, especially if you don't mind controversy. I hate haters. They make me cry. Because we're actually sensitive (laughs) and we give a shit. (laughs) But then you also have people like Bill Gothard on his social media and Lori Alexander, where they delete all of the negative comments. So when you pop in Mm. there, it's like looking at a skewed Yelp review and you're like, well, how many people did they pay off for this one? You know, and you're like, I've been to your office. I know it's not cute in there. And everyone's like, oh, it smells like roses. And I'm like, nope, did not smell like roses there. So I think also it's that where they're like, oh, we can hoodwink everybody by having them think that we're so passionate about our beliefs. But we're just happy that we're getting negative and positive, because if you start to get that angry bickering that goes back and forth in your comments, your numbers rise. So the more controversial you can be. And the more extreme you can be, you are rewarded for it. While we're on the topic of extreme views being blasted out via YouTube, I know that we've mentioned Girl Defined a couple times in the conversation and said that we would get back to them. So if you guys don't know what Girl Defined is, Girl Defined is two sisters. They have a YouTube channel and lifestyle blog. They are Christian sisters named Bethany Beal and Kristen Clark. And they focus mostly on purity culture and navigating mainstream America as an evangelical. 
I would say that these two might be a couple of the scariest because they're just like, oh, hi, and they look all blonde and put together. And there's all these young women who watch their videos who are like, I'm feeling unfulfilled. And these sisters have a great relationship and they talk openly about stuff. They dress nice. Let's be real. All the influencers we've talked about are not bad looking. I don't know what Lori looks like. You become an influencer. I mean, we know how society works. You're drawn to glitterati. I have 2,000 followers, okay, you guys? Let's be real about how influencing works here. I literally have tens of followers. Tens. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) You're so adorable. I have tens of followers. I do. (laughs) We need to get you more. We need to plug you, Fallon. We are running (laughs) hot over here. But yeah, we know how the world works. And if you have an attractive face, people probably click on your goddamn (laughs) videos more. So these girls, you know, they're like conventionally attractive. They're blonde. And one of them, I found a lot of problematic stuff, a lot of purity culture bullshit, a lot of like excited hand holding because it's (laughs) not marriage yet. So they can't kiss. But it also looks awkward. Oh, God, baby, your thumbs. (laughs) There's this video of Bethany talking about her engagement with her husband, who's six years younger, which look, I don't really have a problem with. But listen, if you're 22, when you see and become attracted to your 16 year old husband, so whatever, they're older now. Anyways, I said that weird, but he was 16 and she was 22 when she laid her dirty ass eyes on him. And if that were a man and a woman, I would say the same. I'd be like, you don't lay your dirty ass eyes on a 16 year old. You fucking bounce your eyes away, you fucking asshole. Ew. So I just thought it was even grosser. And then somehow in the name of godliness, people weren't grossed out by this because it was like at church functions and their families knew each other and stuff. But there are videos allegedly that have been scrubbed from the internet where they say that she forced him into conversion therapy twice. And these two do not look natural when they're being affectionate with all their handholding and whatnot. Maybe you call it camera jitters. I don't think so. How can you be natural when everything you were raised with was completely unnatural? And you have hundreds of thousands of people watching you. I don't think it's even about that. I think it is just your own physical autonomy. And with purity culture, it turns you completely off. I was in, what do you call it? It's just like that shutdown mode. I was never even, quote, turned on. Like my ability to understand sexuality and physical intimacy or even physical touch on like you and I having a hug would be so awkward. You can talk to all of my friends and even the ones that have known me post-cult life. I am the most awkward hugger. Not so much now because I've really worked on myself that touching another person is actually okay and can feel positive and doesn't have to be sexual. But when purity culture kind of moved for me into, yay, now I'm married. Oh, it was so bad. So bad. I did not know how to be around my husband. I didn't know how to like lock arms with him and be passionately happy to just even like walk through a store or down the street with him because it was so electric to me. Mm -hmm. The touch was so new and I'm in my 20s. You spend 10 years being told touch is bad. All touch is bad. Touch is always innately sexual. And except for your hands that don't have nerves or something in them. (laughs) 
and touch is bad, but now you're married and the next day touch is okay. And it's not just touch. It's like it's expected get it on and actually get pregnant. So it's fervent. Make good the sex goes from zero <laughs> to a hundred. A thousand. Yes. And for me as a woman growing up in this, I also didn't really want to have kids right away, but I couldn't do contraception, but I didn't really understand fully how all this was supposed to work. So I didn't really want to be joyfully available ever. I knew how messed up I was, but I had no access to even understand how to get help. And so when I see these fundies like the Rodriguez family and uh, even the Duggars, watching the Duggars, little clips of them like going through their courtships and things like that. Oh, it freaks me out because not only is it totally understandable that they are so uncomfortable and awkward. Now you're doing it in front of millions of people. Millions of eyes are watching you. Now, Bethany and her husband, they're choosing to be online. The Duggar kids did not choose to be exploited on TLC. But people like Bethany and her husband and stuff, even if this alleged conversion therapy happened, my heart breaks that one or both of them even believed that that was necessary. Adult conversations can be had. A few therapy sessions could probably suss that out pretty quickly. But a conversion therapy, I mean, it's one of the cruelest things I can think of to do to a person because you are continuing to indoctrinate them and encouraging brainwashing because your faith tells you that who they are is wrong. And so it's the attack on your identity. So how in the world can you have a very close, intimate relationship with someone that you've already attacked the foundation of their identity? Like, how does that even work? Of course, they're weird. Of course, they're awkward. I don't know how you repair that. But now she loves to talk about sex, like sex, 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 all the time, sex, all the time, sex. Oh, my God, it's so amazing. She has a course. What happened to your purity culture conversation? Oh, now you're on the other side. She's selling a sex. She's selling on the other side now. So she's a pro. I'm like, no, none of this makes you a pro, honey. No. And again, this is where the scam and the grift comes in. I know that people are going to come for me for this, but I have been subjected to a very big scam and grift called Bill Gothard. So I can see the scams and the grifts from a mile away. There's also, I'm just going to drop this name, Phil Phillips. He created the book Turmoil in the Toy Box fundamentally messed up my life as a child. So a lot of these things are grifts from people who found a way they tapped into something that people thought they needed because these people said, you need to know this. You need to know toys are evil. Purity culture. You need need to to know know that that masturbation is evil. Exactly. Don't touch yourself anywhere ever. But then on your wedding night, I don't know, somehow go nuts. Initiation night. It's initiation. uh, Super comfortable. And a lot of women, unfortunately, get raped on their wedding night in this culture. And that's what I think is so dangerous. I was very conflicted about the trad wives because I was like, well, if women want to stay in the home, isn't that their prerogative? But if part of your prerogative is also believing that you need to subject yourself to spousal rape, then I'm just saying maybe let's take a second look at what Understand what you're believing. Because no fucking woman deserves to be entered when she doesn't fucking feel like it. That's the bottom line. And I think that's why I keep going on the trad wives because it's definitely it's the most Mm -hmm. mainstream thing. It's hard to even tell until you start digging deeper and you're like, okay, well, she's telling everybody to go watch the fucking Sound of Freedom. It's not until you start digging deeper that you realize that it's always connected to faith, which is at first while I was kind of like, well, is it maybe a kink? Because it seems consensual and they're equal. And then there's even consensual Mm -hmm. rape. That's a kink. You can say, yeah, let's pretend. But you being entered when you don't want it and you don't feel that you have anything that you can do about it. 
I feel like it's not your choice anymore and that you've convinced That's yourself it, it is. what it is. The brainwashing, the convincing, the conditioning, the indoctrination is all of it. And until they allow themselves to consider other things, which I will never profess to know what that is. I don't know what gets through. I think honestly, just continuing to have dialogue in a non-threatening way is a great way to continue to share the narrative to those who are listening and hope that those who need it most will at some point find themselves along the path of being able to hear these things. Because I will tell you, when I was uh, 16 to 18, 19 years old, you couldn't have told me any different. I had a very hard time believing God existed. So I was going through my own existential crisis of is God real? But to the outside world, I was going to absolutely push my faith on you. I was going to tell you exactly what Mm -hmm. I felt and believe that a woman should do. I was towing the line because I knew it so well. It was everything I knew. I knew nothing else. I didn't know marriage could be a partnership. I didn't know that I could kiss a friend or have a peck on the cheek from a friend and it be okay. You know, that that didn't mean we were going to go and they were going to bend me over somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like having a hug didn't mean that someone was trying to cop a feel of my chest just by hugging me. And I used to like fully reduce my body in when I would hug someone. So it was like kind of like my arms were just like a a puppet out in the front of me because I was like, I can't have my chest touch yours, even if you're another girl sitting. Yeah, somehow or cause them to sin or maybe I'm sinning because I'm even thinking about this. I mean, it really becomes such a conflict inside of yourself. So I think it just takes a lot of time. It takes uh, love from all of us. And I know it's really hard to say when we're pissed off by these people, because frankly, I am I'm pissed off that these people are so entrenched in it and won't even consider other ideas. And if they say they do, they really don't. Again, the monetization comes back into play too. They're not going to give up on this because this is their source of income and it's fun and it doesn't take as much work and they get paid to hate people. And I bet it's good money. Of course it is. When you grow a following like that, it is very good money. But I can hold compassion in one hand for what religion has done to all of these people. And on the other hand, I can also be really angry at the fact that religion has done this to people. I think that's a great way to end. If we're going to start having conversations as a country, as a world, as a fucking society and human race, unless we start having some less spicy conversations where we're not all just yelling and we're saying, hey, I see your situation and I have compassion for it and I have some problems with it too. That's the only way that real progress is going to get made. It's a therapy skill called DBT. And you know Mm -hmm. DBT, girl? Yeah. Yes, DBT (laughs) saved my life. You guys, DBT is the shit. But they say it's called using your wise mind where you use logic and emotion. And instead of saying or because things are black and white, you say and. So it's like, I'm angry at the system that did this. And I'm angry at you guys for fucking regurgitating it on Facebook. And then I'm compassionate for the system that you came from because it's a fucking vicious circle. You can hold two beliefs about it. That was our goal of the season because Ashley and I have been talking about this forever. And I think months and you I think one of the first things you said was we want people to know about it because we're like sad for them but we're also mad at Mm -hmm. them. I'm mad at the system that created them. You know what that's smart. I I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) go with that. I like that. No, you're right. Because once somebody comes out of a group and speaks against it, I'm like, even if you were a perpetrator or an abuser in the past, you're doing right now. And so I'm fully on your fucking team. Usually for me, the forgiveness, I guess, or the understanding doesn't come until they publicly go forward with their story to speak out against it. I think that's a little harsh on my views. Maybe. How do you sit in a seat of forgiveness? I mean, I know all the Christians like, well, I do every day. I'm like, "Eh, but do you? 
when you sit in a seat of forgiveness and there's no change that's been affected by the person and the people group that has been creating the trauma, you are giving them a get out of jail free card. When I say I will forgive you for what you've done, for example, I was spanked as a child um, into my teen years. And, you know, my dad would get convicted every now and then at a seminar or something like, oh, I've spanked you out of anger. You know, you please forgive me. It's just so wrong of me to do. And you're like, yeah, I mean, you're my authority. Of course I am. So it feels like it's coerced, you know, because you just know that's what you're supposed to do. Like you saw in Shiny Happy People. Mm -hmm. But then... Two days later, he spanks you in anger again. So you want me to continue to forgive when you just are a repeat offender. So I'm not interested in gifting forgiveness or assuaging your guilt until you actually show me that you are changing. I have no forgiveness for IBLP, for Bill Gothard, for ATI, none of it. No forgiveness gets to be handed out for Mm -hmm. me. And that is just my own, like, not religious, but my righteous anger. I am justified in the anger that I hold for this. And anger affects change. So if I am going to sit here and forgive you, I don't hold on to anything that's going to affect change. I just say, yeah, no, it's okay. Carte blanche, do what you need to do. I forgive you. Yeah, I'm just going to move on. Turn the other cheek. Complacent, compliant whatever. No, my forgiveness is not for sale. My forgiveness is not for you to ask of me. No one has the right to ask me to forgive them. What they have the right to do is change. And then I can gift that forgiveness when I'm in a place to say, you know what, I see how hard you're trying. And I know that you are moving towards that change. And that inside of me gives me more than just compassion. I now can have empathy as I'm alongside you in a journey. And I give you forgiveness so that I can be I'm on that journey you with you. you have gone to therapy? For two years. Yes. And EMD. <laughs> I was like, or else you're just killing it. Wow, God. My life fundamentally changed with two years of EMDR therapy. Changes I'm like a year you. and a half into EMDR therapy right now. Your mountains might crumble. They will. Oh, they, they will. will. Mine are crumbling. <laughs> and Lindsay's have crumbled. But then Absolutely. they get built back up. And then they spout wisdom like Lindsay just did. So, yeah. you know, therapy's great, you guys. Lindsay, we said we are stealing you for an hour i think we about doubled that time so thank you so so much for for being with us here today i know that you had to spend some time deciphering my beautiful (laughs) mind but i loved it fucking happened when you gave me these people and things to look into it broke even (laughs) further cannot compute emdr is gonna be real fun for you next week (laughs) oh honey we skipped it yesterday i was like i gotta talk to Lindsay tomorrow and i gotta be on my a game So, Lindsay, again, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? Where are you ministering on the social media? <laughs> my, <laughs> my ministry to take down a ministry is <laughs> you can find me Woo! over at TikTok and on Instagram. The handle is The Cult Chronicles. You can email me, thecultchronicles at gmail.com if you care to, but most people just, you know, they DM. That's what the kids do. They DM these Don't days. Don't get me started <laughs> on the kids these days, Lindsay. I'm trying to let you get off the freaking. And then, um, you know, if anyone gives two fucks about what I do for an actual living and what my real life is, not just, you know, advocating against religious cultic systems, you can find me at Crazy Pretty. That's my work as a makeup artist and a hairstylist. And I've been doing that for 15 years. Um, My website is also Crazy Pretty. And I have a podcast that has nothing to do with cults called We Speak Beauty. And you can go to at We Speak Beauty on Instagram. That's all me. You need some non-cult outlets, Oh, I need beauty. I need pretty i need creative i didn't get to be creative as a kid i didn't get to wear a lot of makeup i did my hair all the time big and large you know was it the bigger the hair the, the closer like- to god 
It's a very Texas thing to say, <laughs> but um, also because of Bill. So thanks, Bill, I guess, for giving me my first couple of curling thanks, irons. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can find the silver lining if I try. Just like how you find everything in scripture when you try. <laughs> so yeah, but that's what I do for my real life. I travel. I get to have so much fun with that. And I, I love, love what I do. And then I love doing this as well because Yay. it needs to stop. Like I said in the documentary, I manifested the day of being on that documentary when I said that this just has to stop. And then you stop. manifested all these fucking interviews and everything after and like all this affecting Christianity in the fucking United States. No big deal. I hope it is the ripple of my lifetime. I well, really I can already do. tell you that it is. I mean, you changed mm-hmm. my life. So. Oh, Ash, thanks. Literally watching that documentary changed my fucking yes. life. I'm about mm-hmm. this shit now because I'm like, it's not Christians. It's not just Americans. It's not just people yeah. of the world. Or it is. It's everybody of the world. This affects everybody. Like I said, there's a ripple effect to all of this. And so if we can be that ripple that really starts to affect change, that is what matters And I will most link your socials and your podcast and website in the show Thanks. notes. So you guys, please go make sure to check out Lindsay. She has a lot of other amazing stuff to say that she didn't get to say today because yes. I talk a lot. So... <laughs> Thanks for being here, you guys. Make sure to tune in next week or later this week. It's just going to be a fun surprise for you guys when it comes out. When we talk to Miss Catherine Spearing about the Uncertain podcast and Tears of Eden and healing from spiritual abuse. Wow. Hefty fucking shit. Can't wait to hear that. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Fallon. And thank you for all of our listeners. We love you. Good night and good luck. That's so fucked up, that's so fucked up, so fucked up, that's so fucked up.